see. Uh, I'm really excited to be sharing with you guys. I love, love, love teaching, uh, one-on-one coaching, small groups. Um, it's actually, I've probably done more of this than I have uh, done leading worship in the last uh, 10 years. Um, but when we came on, uh, we had a conversation with Aaron in the, uh, early 2018, and we decided together, you know, let's, I had some other things uh, on, uh, you know, that need to be taken care of, and so we focused on that. Uh, figured it'd probably be a couple years before uh, we, I could get put on the rotation to start teaching uh, and have that capacity. And uh, my first week to be teaching was um, late winter, uh, early uh, spring, also known as like COVID. So my uh, first week to be teaching was uh, the first week where we're not allowed to meet in the high school. So we had a conversation, you guys know how this went, on Monday morning, like, hey, I think we should make some preparations just in case. I mean, it's Alaska, we're fine. But just in case, like, something happens. And then by Thursday, like, everything was canceled, everything was closed, no high school. Um, And then I had a fever, chest pain, and a cough. So I couldn't teach. Makes sense. It wasn't COVID, but you know, there's that. So I'm so excited to finally be here with you guys sharing. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, it's a lot different than it would have been uh, in March, and I have some things I'm really excited about. Um, I want to show you guys something. Here's a photo that my mom took uh, from her front porch. She takes photos quite often from, uh, from her porch of the view, and she often will take photos in summer and say, Look at this, it's evening, I'm eating dinner, and look how light it is, which is great. I also have kids that need to sleep at night, and in summer, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? And uh, so, that's amazing, and then this exact same picture in December looks like this. (laughs) Do you get it, do you get it? It's just a black screen. I just grabbed a black screen, it's not a photo. It could be, but it's not. It's pretty funny, huh? I thought, I've been laughing about it for days. I'm excited. Alaskans, we're really good. We're adept at change. We do a really good job going into winter uh, with a lot of challenges. Winter brings darkness. If you're not, uh, for those of you sensitive to light or uh, you're sensitive to the lack of moose hunting, there's a lot of emotional challenges with winter. And so uh, you need to prepare for those things, right? For us, we pull all of the stuff out of the closet. You know, in summer, we look at the closet and think there is... Some, how do we feel this? What do we even put in here, you know? And then in winter, we're like, it's everywhere. Um, but we do a great job with season change. We make some preparations for winter, but we know what we're up against, and we prepare. The season we're in now is a totally new season. We have some new challenges that we have never really had, at least not at this level, right? Um, but it provides uh, new opportunities for us. There's new challenges that we need to prepare for. Uh, in this season, I've... There's a whole handful of uh, books and passages I've found myself going to for comfort and also for strengthening. And one of those places is in Ephesians, uh, specifically Ephesians 4. I mean, I'd say this is probably more than anything uh, for strengthening and motivation. Uh, Ephesians is essentially, you know, when Paul wrote it, he basically has the first half of the book is just tackling the gospel, the power of the gospel, what Jesus accomplished. And then the second portion of that is just covering what it looks like for the church, for the body, the implications of the gospel for us as the body of Christ. Um, there's a, a New Testament scholar, he's a professor at the Dallas Theological Seminary. I love his paraphrase of chapters four through six. He says, Christians, get along with each other. That's it. Uh, so uh, the reason I've, I've come to this is Ephesians four, I've looked at, you know, 
I kind of wanted to try to cover the whole chapter, but you know what happens when you do that. You end up, you try to do everything, you don't do a whole lot. So we're actually just going to look at two verses, just a short passage in Ephesians, and it is extremely simple, and what we're going to do is we're going to just talk through the verse really quickly and then make some observations. Um, it's worth noting uh, that a lot of the things we're going to observe about these two verses, they apply across the whole board for this whole chapter, and it's stuff we've, many of us have heard quite a bit, and I recognize that, but I think it's real timely. So, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, I was in Omer's three weeks ago or something. We just moved, and I'm doing a house project, and I had the long list of all the things you need. And you always, you know this, you always take longer to just look around. Is there something I'm actually going to need that I didn't put on my list that I am going to come back for five minutes after getting home? Because it happens at least three times. So I'm in there, I'm doing the aisle thing, looking around, thinking about all the things I need in my project, trying to imagine it. And I hear that thing that happens where you hear a conversation a few aisles over. It's two guys. They're talking about some of their friends and things they believe, uh, politics. Um, one of them, I think, maybe was... Uh, a believer, I couldn't, I couldn't really quite tell. They got rolling in their conversation, and they essentially were talking about some of their friends that they have. I, I don't, still don't know who it was. And a, what it comes down to is kind of how dumb their friends are because they believe stuff that is just so ridiculous. And it's, I couldn't see them, but it kind of, the way the tone of their voice kind of came off like this, like, oh, oh, can you believe that? Oh, man. And, you know, just like, they're like out of their minds that like someone could, could do this. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's, that's a loud conversation to be so, like, native. Oh. And I realized, too, that in response to that, I was, not out loud, obviously, but in my heart going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're saying that. You know, I'm doing the same thing they're doing, just about what they're saying and, you know, their comments. I'm like, oh, gosh. So but I just thought, man, my poor heart. Like, Lord, show me my heart. Soften my heart. Um, and uh, that's not uncommon, you know, all of us right now, even more than I think probably ever before, the sheer amount of opportunities there are for us to take offense or to roll our eyes at someone or something and to say, I can't believe they believe that, or I can't believe that whole, like, you know, exasperated, like, attitude that's, like, everywhere. You know, what social media, news, we all know it, right? You guys all with me here? This is this right now. Um, and I would say there's a good amount of things I see posted on Facebook or whatever that I don't agree with, and if I'm not careful, my response to is, Oh, wait, what? You know, and that like offense. And some of those are even from Christians. So this verse, I've, I've kept coming back to this, um, and I think it's remarkably timely. That's what I love. Scripture is always for now. And God's voice and empowerment is always for right now in your life. So let's look at just a couple parts of this passage, and then we're going to hop into a few observations uh, quite quickly. So... Uh, first word here, it says bitterness, which is sharpness of taste, lack of sweetness, or, no wait, that's, that's the wrong bitterness. Can we do the next one? 
There it is. That was a good joke. You got to admit. Bitterness. Thank you, Scott. Um, okay. So uh, bitterness, this is resentment. He says, uh, put anger away. Then he says, put wrath away, which is extreme anger. This usually involves violent action, as we know. Uh, clamor, loud and confused noise. There's so much talking and so much going on. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, there was a, um, uh, someone with the written on some of this and he was commenting that a lot of times in, in, uh, in the definition of clamor often is actually referencing people shouting angrily, which I thought was appropriate. Slander, making false and damaging statements about someone, about something, we have that going on too. And then I love the last one of this, malice, which is simply the desire to do evil. Says, let, so he lists them all. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you, along with malice. So put all that away. And then in contrast, here's the three. Be kind to each other. So be nice. <laughs> be tenderhearted. Your heart should be soft towards God, towards fellow believers, and towards our community. A lot of which, you know, it's, I think for any of us, we can think of people that uh, that's challenging. And I think uh, this verse for me, I know this passage is for me, and I think it is for us together. Um, so what we're going to do is just take this passage. I want to make four observations, okay, about this passage. And, and these are true of this passage. They're also true of this whole chapter yet again, but we need to pick something that we can, that we can digest together. Uh, so it's useful to us, okay? So number one, Paul felt that this needed to be said. Sounds straightforward, I know, I know. Uh, if you read my teaser, I talked about how uh, I went to visit one of my missions teams that I had sent out years ago uh, in Fiji. Uh, my wife and I worked with Youth of the Mission for seven years. We would uh, do a training phase in Kona, Hawaii with, uh, you know, We'd prepare them for uh, doing missions, and then we'd send them out for the second phase for three months overseas. And we sent teams all over the place. Many of you guys are familiar with YWAM. Um, and then we would visit the team right in the middle of their trip, week four, five, six. Uh, and basically, it's a course correct, a little quality control. We'd come in, check with the staff. We had a whole set of meetings, only four or five days. We'd meet with the staff. We'd meet with the whole team. Then we'd meet with each team member individually, each staff individually, the staff again, the long-term contacts, the staff, the team, and then we'd leave. So it's just And this team, Team Fiji, uh, was not doing the best. Um, we, uh, I've been hearing some stuff from the staff. I flew in, and um, this is a photo right before we got to the island. It's like five flights or something from Europe, so it's quite off uh, in the boonies. Um, and we uh, were flying it. The first time I, I went to this island, which was years before that, it was the, the aircraft that only has like three seats in it, and you're, you sit like this, you know, where you're touching your knee. And uh, the, the way it's set up, you come in in like a little valley, and you have hills on both sides, and it's only 15 or 20 yards on each side. It's filled with palm trees. And you're coming in, and the trees are above your head. So what I'm saying is, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so we visited this team. We talked through a bunch of stuff. Uh, we did a lot of mediation. Um, we did an okay job the best we could. It was a very tricky um, dynamic with that team. Um, and 
you know, towards the end of our trip there, again, just a few days, uh, one of them kind of remarked at me, like, you're just kind of saying, like, I was just quoting a lot of scripture, especially New Testament. And they were like, well, you're just kind of saying stuff like, we know this, you know. It's like, right, but it, it needs to be said. I'm not just like, yeah, but you're just saying nice stuff that, like, anyone would say. Well, yeah, but I know your situation. This is different, and you need to hear this. I need to say this. This is, this is something you need right now. Um, and after we left, um, you know, th- things were quite a bit better, and, or we felt like they were, and we got on a plane. We weren't even back at our house. It had not even been a week before the staff had messaged us and said, hey, we need you to help right away. Call us as soon as you get this. It's like, ugh. We spent the following weeks uh, sending messages um, and basically mediation. The team ended up all said and done um, pretty healthy, um, but it was a really challenging dynamic, and I was writing these long, lengthy emails, and I was looking at them and then simultaneously looking at Paul's writing, and just kept thinking, I'm, I'm not, it's nothing revolutionary, right? We're, we're talking about just the power, the straightforward power of the gospel and what it means for you right here, right now. And I honestly felt like just privileged that I had some insight into where they were at, you know, felt like kind of the grace of God in that role to facilitate them becoming more like Jesus. They had a whole new set of challenges, most of them very, very young, 18, 19, 20. They had never done anything like this before, and they just needed someone to, to, to call it like it is and, and, uh, and, uh, and do that. So, you know, I, I felt like in that moment, like, wow, I, I got to do some of what Paul did. This is such an honor, you know, to be able to call someone to Jesus. So it's important. Paul felt that he needed to say this. It's not just arbitrary. He's not just writing good things. He knew their situation. He lived there. He knew the people. He wrote to Ephesus and the area. This was for them, and they needed to hear this. Put these things away. Be kind. Your heart should be soft. You need to forgive. Christ forgave you, right? That's number one. Number two, this requires acknowledgement. I had a guy that I mentored um, some years back, and he asked me to mentor him. We were uh, in that kind of relationship. We had been doing that for some months, and I basically felt like we were hitting um, a bit of a wall where I was, uh, I, we would talk, and it would be, it was helpful, it was good, and then we would finish our conversation and have a little bit of time and kind of hang out and chat. And I always felt like I was kind of missing part of the picture. You guys know that. When you're talking with someone, you feel like you're missing something, but what are you going to do? Say, what are you hiding? You know? But I did feel like he was hiding something, so I was just wanting to, that time to be useful, and, uh, and so I was praying, you know, Lord, would you just show what's hidden? You know, show me what I'm missing. Help, help guide me through this, this relationship. And so uh, one of the times we were sitting, we finished talking through uh, a few different things, and then I had a thought, and this happens to me sometimes, it's a, uh, it is what it is. I had a thought and said it at the same time, you guys know that one? Uh, <laughs> And I actually recognize it as a Lord uh, now, uh, but as I was saying it, I thought, no, Drew, stop. And I literally said, we were just hanging out, I looked up and said, Matt, are you doing drugs? <gasps> Which is just a lot to ask. We didn't have that kind of friendship. And he, his immediate response, he looked at me and went, yes, wait, what? No, wait, how? <laughs> you know, he like didn't know what to say. Uh, yes, wait, no, wait. <laughs> he like did it around. So then we had this whole conversation, and you know, he ended up in tears, just weeping, and he had a whole bunch of stuff going on in his life, and I don't blame him. That's incredibly challenging to be that vulnerable, and, uh, 
and I, you know, and he wanted to share. He's in that, is that awkward place where you, you know what you need to say and what you want to say, but he just hadn't like come to that place where he acknowledged how desperate his situation really was, right? And so he, he, as soon as he said that, I could see him like looking relieved. Oh man, someone knows what's going on with me. So we had this lengthy conversation and uh, he had uh, decided he wanted to follow Jesus, but he hadn't like committed to Jesus being Lord. I don't, I don't think, you know, he's in that kind of awkward place. And for him, that time was the turning point for him in his walk with God, because he had a place where he was able to acknowledge, here is where I'm at. I'm calling it like it is. Here are the things going on. These things are sin. I'm not gonna, you know, pretty them up. They are what they are. Here's what I'm called to. Here's what God calls me to. And I don't know quite what it looks like yet, but here's how it is. Um, and you cannot respond to the commands and promises of God until we acknowledge where we're at and what God has called us to. So, number two, this requires acknowledgement. Number three, they had the capacity to obey, okay? Now, with this verse, this is very straightforward, right? We're talking about being kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Um, but I can think of situations with all three of those things where I have not done this as well as I could have, and I acknowledge where I might be tempted to say, it's just so hard to be, to have my heart soft towards fill in the blank. It's so difficult, like, they're so challenging. I work really hard to be kind. Uh, but I acknowledge, this is, this is a real thing. You know, um, we have a five-year-old, and we, uh, he's, he's a real, like, organized kid, naturally cleans. So we tell him, you know, something real simple, like, you, like the little, uh, the little bathroom trash, we'll even tie it up for him sometimes and say, okay, take this and go put it in the, the trash outside. It's a very appropriate task for his age. He has the capacity to do that. And then we all know this. The, the kid responds, but I can't, it's too hard. It's too hard. <laughs> the, the foot drag. <laughs> Most of the time, he knows he can. Granted, sometimes he's overwhelmed, and I'm right there with him, you know? If we're in his room and I tell him to clean his room, I've already done 98% of the work. And now I'm like, clean your room, clean up the mess you made. And it's really just the five toys I left out. I like space them out so that it's like, you can do this, you know? Stretch it a little bit, put one toy in the corner. It's a bit of a walk, but you can do it. I believe in you, Finn, you got this. Um, you know, and then we have this whole like, Ugh, all the challenge. And he says, I can't. The reality is, I know his capacity better than he knows his own. Right? I know what he's capable of. I also know that as he develops his skill in obeying, his capacity will grow as he matures. One of the ironies of this for my son is that if he says, I just can't do it, and he doesn't do anything, then I'm just gonna say, well, you need, to, you need to be willing to obey. When you're ready to obey, let's talk. And then if he's willing to obey, and he really is having a hard time doing it, and does not feel like he has the capacity, well, then I'm there to help, right? So for him, in forsaking a basic command or exhortation, 
we actually limit our capacity because we're just unwilling to say yes to what he has for us. Because as soon as we say yes, God's right there to help. It's actually, we know this, it's in our weakness that his power is made perfect, not in our strength. God's commands have within him the the promises to empower us to obey. That our willingness to say, yes, God, I will respond to what you have said, what you have called me to, that actually is what enables us us to have the empowerment of God right there with us, just like my son. The moment we say yes, he's right there, okay? Empowerment, contentment, perseverance, wisdom. So they had the capacity to obey. We have the capacity to obey. Perfectly? No, absolutely not. But if we have a yes, he can do the rest. So that's number three. They had the capacity to obey. Number four, this requires action. Um, we had, uh, my wife and I are real passionate about budgeting, um, being debt-free, uh, Dave Ramsey type stuff. Um, and uh, I've had a few conversations with some uh, families and, and friends of mine in the last year or so. Um, and in every conversation that I've had with someone, um, it goes along the lines of we talk through, like logistically, the things you need to do to make sure you're not, you know, becoming more and more in debt over time. As the things every single one of you guys could name right now for me. Uh, so, you know, you need to limit your accessibility to incurring more debt if that's your tendency to overspend. You need to have a budget. You need to have some savings plans. Um, you need to uh, get some accountability and some help uh, if that's a, an issue for you. Uh, you need to plan. You need to have a vision. We go through all, the whole list. And in every single one of these situations, I go through the whole list of things. And do you know what they say at the end of this? Oh, yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, no, I know. You, you do, yes, you know. You know what I'm talking about. But there's action required now, right? There's, there's something, if you know everything, and yet your life looks a little bit different, whether it's a lot different or a teeny bit different, well, it requires action. It requires a response in one form or another, right? So knowing is not the same as doing. Knowing a topic well and agreeing with it does not replace actually doing it. Familiarity with a topic cannot be conflated with obedience to that thing. Paul's writing here, this whole chapter uh, requires a, a true response. And it should every time we read it, really. You know, the, the, I hear uh, it's a handful of friends that have walked to the Lord for, you know, two or three decades, and they'll get to a verse, they'll, they'll read, they've probably read it 40 times, at least, in, in context, probably even heard it more. It's a great verse that people go to, like John 3.16 or something, right? And you hear, people, we've all had this, you, you read a verse and it's like it hits you for the first time. It's the Holy Spirit moving through, through scripture. I have a, a mentor of mine that I absolutely adore. He's a wonderful man, been in missions 30 plus years. Um, he's uh, very, very well educated um, and uh, something that he uh, uh, always would say to me and in times we teach, he said, you should respond to every miracle of Jesus as if it happened before your very eyes. Uh, his rule of thumb basically is if you're bored with the Bible, it's your fault. Um, and uh, when I'm reading uh, the epistles, I want to, as best as I can, 
position my heart to receive these like the first readers would respond to this, right? I want to position my heart in a way where I'm, I'm, I'm not just reading a letter that was written, but I'm reading it knowing that God wants to speak to me right here, right now, and that he has not just exhortations, but he has actually wants to empower me through these things right here, right now. I want to approach scripture with some urgency and some response. So I want to invite you to ask God together, Lord, how can I become more like you today? The world and the church needs us to be like Jesus. So is this verse straightforward? Yes, absolutely. Have we heard it a lot? Totally. But the most powerful things are incredibly straightforward. So I could say, as a church, we should be, and we've all heard this, right? We should be the most generous force right now in COVID. And we should be the kindest people. We should be the most extravagant. We should be the ones taking care of everybody. We should be helping local business. We should be protecting health. We should, you can fill in the blank. Um, and I've said some of that, and that's my natural response. But what I want to say today is that we can, we can today take another step towards embodying Christ. We can together, we can stand for the oppressed, we can stand up for rights, for the economy, for the gospel, for our friends, for our community, and we can do it in a way that walks in the gracious, humble spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says right here, Put all that stuff away and be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. And I would say, as Paul wrote uh, on the inspiration of the Spirit, things that w- these things we're called to, as we say, yes, these are the things I want. Jesus, take me towards these things. That he gives us the capacity to do these more and more every day because he's with us. Would you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you give um, empowerment. And I thank you, Lord, that you are, uh, that you provide opportunity for growth over and over and over again. I thank you for our community. Thank you for our wonderful uh, church. Um, I ask that you would continue to call us towards being Christ-like. You continue to call us towards um, being advocates. We just acknowledge this morning, Lord, that you are near to us. And that we need you and we want you. We want to lift you up this morning, Lord. You're king and you're in control. We love you, Jesus. Amen.